excited to be here today. I, I'm, this is my favorite day of the week. I love coming together. I love those of you who join us online as well. And I've been trying to think of a way that, you know, maybe I could get a better, do a better entrance. The worship team does just such a good job, but maybe I could do a, a better entrance. Maybe there's a way that I could, you know, make the appearance when I come up here, it'll get you all excited and things. I've been thinking about that. And I was given some inspiration uh, Friday night when my uh, friend Luke Starkey uh, was delivered the game ball to the Bueller High School football team on Friday night. Everyone got it. You'll see. Everyone gets excited about it. The crowd's pumped up. The team's pumped up. Yeah, it was awesome. That was, it was awesome. It was even better to be there. It's, it's cool to be there on tape, but it was awesome. The crowd was pumped up. The team was pumped up. There were a few tears shed. I know my wife was one of those, uh, but it was an awesome way. So I don't know. I might come through the rafters or maybe a zip line from the balcony next week. Just something a little bit different because we're in church and I love that we get excited at games. It's football season. No one gets more excited about that than me in the fall, but we're in church and we have a reason to celebrate. I'm excited for the new series that we're starting today. I know the last series, the last three weeks was a little heavy. I'm excited to start a new series called Names. And it's actually about the names that God has changed. And uh, throughout scripture, God changed some names and there was a reason. It wasn't just a nickname. There was a significance behind it. So we're going to talk about that the next four weeks, four names that God changed in scripture, the significance of that, what it means, because a name is powerful. A, A name has meaning. I know in our first service, I was talking about how Lyle and Donna Thiessen um, are trying really hard to get to know everyone's name. I'd give up. I mean, it's just, it's just hard to do that. Uh, but they're trying every week to, to know everybody's name because when you call someone by name and not, hey, bud, hey, dude, and how, you, you know, what's up, friend? Um, when you call someone by name, there is power to that. It lets them know that they're known. It lets them know that they're valued. We like to be called by our name. And uh, some of us, like the names that we've been given. I actually like the name I was born with. I'm Kent Allen Peterson. If you're new here today, or for those joining us online, glad you're here. I'm, hi, my name is Kent. I'm your friend. Um, Kent Allen Peterson. I like my name, but because of some things and char- characteristics of, of my appearance, I've been given a lot of nicknames. I remember the first one was from my dad uh, when I was young. I remember him calling me Red. And other people, and sometimes he did this too, Red on the head, Carrot Top, Howdy Doody. You got to go a ways back for that one. I graduated to Opie and Richie Cunningham. And I was so glad when I got to college that I got, I graduated to Petey. I love, I like that better. Going back to my childhood, my sister called me Cow Patty, not one of my better ones. Um, that was a constant. Uh, you know, and there's, there's kind of a fun having some fun with you, but there's some names too that we don't like and some names that we've been given that, you know, it's not so funny in things. Um, uh, it doesn't matter. 
matter whether they're true or not, but sometimes we attach our identity to the things that maybe other people have said about us. I've been called a bully in my adult life. I've been called intimidator. I've, I've been called unworthy of a minister. Those are painful words, things that you can, uh, and, and you may have names, names that you like, names that you don't, uh, but especially the names that have more significance that aren't just funny, aren't lighthearted. Uh, sometimes we can begin to attach our identities to those things. Uh, maybe it's things that you, you know, you've done. Maybe it's things that's been said to you or things that's been done to you, but, but names nonetheless, and you begin to attach yourself and, and think of yourself. Maybe you've been called a liar. Maybe you've been called a cheat. Maybe you've been called an adulterer. Maybe you called an addict. Maybe you've been called a drunk. Maybe you've been called loser. Maybe you called. Maybe you've been called stupid. And, and these are these are names that give us a feeling of feeling unloved, unworthy, um, unwanted. Uh, they're names that can set in and they can, we can be, sometimes begin to identify wrongly with those names. But nonetheless, wouldn't it be great if we have, if God came along and gave us all a new name, which by the way, in, in Revelation, the very end, he tells us, he gives us a new name. It's going to be a cool thing. But I'm, I'm just talking about, wouldn't it be if he gave us a new name today? What if he gave you a new name that set you on a new course with a new identity, with, with an, a new hope, a new future, with a new purpose, with a, a new divine purpose from God, with a, a new destination? Well, that's what God did for those in scripture when he changed their name. He set them on a new path. He set them on a new destiny. He gave them a divine purpose. And the first one that he did that with in the scriptures was Abram or Abraham as we know him. And so we're going to look today at James chapter 17. Uh, it's the very beginning of your Bible, 17 chapters in. And if you want to join me there on your smartphone devices, or if you just want to join me by looking at the screen behind me, uh, this is where we're going today. I'm really excited about this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I, I love, um, I'm excited about today, the significance of this. I'm excited about the next three weeks and the other names we're going to talk about that God's changed. Because uh, it, it is... It's, it's not an accident. Everything in scripture, everything God did, it was on purpose. It wasn't a coincidence. There was design. We're going to see some of those cool things that God does just in changing and today Abram's name to Abraham. Let's back up and let's just kind of walk through some of the scriptures today. The first, the first verse was when Abraham was 99 years old. Now, why is this significant? Well, one, not many people live to be 100 anymore. Heather's grandfather, 104. My great-grandmother was 103. My grandma was 100. People say, you got good genes. On the lady's side, yes. Not so much so on the guy's side. But at 99 years old, there's this promise that God is reminding him, actually, because this promise goes back 25 years. 
In chapter 12, God first made the promise to Abram that he was going to give him so many descendants and make nations of him that he couldn't even count. If you looked up at the stars, you couldn't count how many that would be. And he, he, he re, re, reminded Abram and, and get of that promise in chapters 13 and chapter 15. So we get to chapter 17 here. This is the fourth time that God shows up. And why 99? What's, why, why is that important? Well, I just don't think it carries as much weight. It's not as significant. If God showed up to Abram at age 25 and said, I'm going to make you a father of nations, you could somewhat believe that. Even if that promise wasn't delivered until the age of 50 and Sarah, who was 10 years younger than him, and she was 40. People have babies when they're 40. Not a lot. People have babies when they're 40. Uh, people have babies, guys certainly 50. I looked up the oldest, or, or at least on modern day record for the world record for the oldest mother having a baby is a lady in Mexico. She was 67 years old. I mean, ladies, can you imagine that? (laughs) Can you imagine having a baby at 67 years old? That's wrong on so many levels. I mean, that's just crazy. So, but if we have it earlier and this happens earlier, we can kind of think, okay, we know every conception is a miracle of God. Every life that is birthed in the womb is God's making his design. It's his miracle. But yet we can kind of think that we can just do this. It's just us. We're the ones that make it happen. But when you're given that promise at age 75 and your wife is 65, You're thinking, okay, God, maybe I can believe this, but we better answer this pretty soon. In the next year or two, this this has got to happen. But it doesn't happen. In in fact, Abram and Sarai, they get lose patience, lose faith, if you will. In chapter 15, he has this moment of greatness and he believes God. He trusts God. In chapter 16, he has a moment of this great weakness and he and Sarai, they come up and devise a plan. Sarai comes to Abram and said, hey, this isn't going to happen. Um, you know, I'm now 86 or I'm, you're now 86. I'm 76. This isn't going to happen. We need to help God here. Somehow we missed something or missed the memo. So we're going to help God fulfill his plan. So here's my servant. You can have a, your, a, a, a child with my servant Hagar. And, and it's never a good idea. It never works out to put another woman into the relationship and let her have. And it just doesn't work. It's, it's even in biblical times when it was okay. You just add more women into the equation. It's not going to work out very well. And so th- there's where he finds himself in chapter 16. 15, greatness. 16, not his finest moment. And 13 years later, God shows up in chapter 17. And he's like, Abram. Been over this chapter 12, been over this in chapter 13, been over this in chapter 15. This is my fourth time to come to you and tell you, I've got this wonderful, awesome plan. You're going to be the father of many. He begins to retell that story to him. I think it's so great that he's 99 because God's showing off. God is showing his faithfulness. It doesn't seem like God is so faithful. It's something that we can do of our own might and our own doing. But only God can have a 99-year-old and an 89-year-old conceive and give birth at age 90 and age 100. It is a testimony to the faithfulness of God that his timing is perfect and God's showing off here. And 13 years later, he shows up after Abram and Sarah tried on their own did things their way. And the first thing he says is, I am God almighty. 
In Hebrew, it's El Shaddai, which means all-powerful one, which means God can do anything. God can do anything. He can, he can cause a conception at age 99 and 89. The only greater conception is the virgin birth. He can do anything. It also means that he is enough. We sang some words today and the words were popping off because I knew where the message was going today. But the, the words that he is still enough. God is enough. God shows up and said, you've been doing it your way. You've been trying it. You're, you're, you've gone after it. You're trying to make your name famous. You're trying to do great things. And I'm here to tell you, I am God Almighty and I am enough. But how many times have we tried to help God as though he's not enough? Oh, we would never say, God, you're not enough. But how many times through our actions do we try to help God with his plan? Do we try to fill in the gaps that we don't understand? A lonely believer, um, a follower of Jesus loses patience, loses sight and looks for um, a lifetime marriage and partner from someone that's not in the Christian community and marries an unbeliever because he's just like, God, where are you? It's, it's not happening. Or, or there's just times where, you know, maybe he won't, he won't marry me. So we'll just, we'll move in together. We help God with the plan or like we've talked about the last three weeks, we can't afford it, so we'll just charge it. We'll just put it on credit. Or, or there's times where we, we compromise our character, our convictions, our values, because we don't feel like we're gonna get ahead if we don't fudge the numbers a little bit, or we're not gonna get ahead if we don't make an impression on those whose values are different than ours, and we're not gonna be liked by them or accepted by them. We're not gonna get ahead if we don't compromise our values or our convictions a little bit. And God shows up. And that's what Abram and Sarai did. They were compromising. They were, they were compromising God's plan. Here's the good news. God still fulfills his promise and his plan. You can't mess up God's plan. But you can choose whether you're going to be a part of it or not. And, and Abram and Sarai, they, they mess it up. They're trying to do things uh, their way. And God shows up and says, I am God Almighty. I am God Almighty. And I am enough. And now my clicker is not working. And now you're on to my secret. Okay, I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to turn it back on. And it still doesn't work. So Kyle, this is what your notes are for. This is to help you. Can we give a round of applause to Kyle? Because he's going to need it the rest of this service. Just do your best to follow along. I need you. Then I will make my covenant between me and you. And you will greatly increase your numbers. God's reminding Abram of his promise. He's just reminding him of his, he's getting ready to set up his promise. And then after that, maybe I'll just say next, Abram fell face down and God said to him, Abram fell face down. He fell face, face down for two reasons. One, he's desperate. He had tried it on his own. He had done, he'd done it his way. He was trying to make his name great. You know, in, in chapter 12, 25 years before God had given them this promise, I'm going to make you famous. Uh, the, the descendants, uh, they're going to be greater than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. I'm going to make you famous. Sometimes those things can go to our head. 
We're not talking about Joseph the next four weeks, but in the Old Testament, Joseph, the coat of many colors, who had the 11 older brothers, or I mean 10 older brothers and one younger brother, uh, he got this dream from God. It was from God. And, and the dream was, and he went and told his brothers uh, that, you know, one day they're going to bow down to, to, to him. Older brother's going to bow down to him. No one would like that. No one wants to bow down to their younger brother, older brother, whatever. So he's kind of not smart, but God refines him. And over that process, he surrenders his dream to God and God uses him. Abram, maybe it went a little bit to his head. And in chapter 12, he's like, okay, you told me I'm going to be famous. You told me that I'm going to be known throughout the earth. And so I'm going to, I'm going to help you with your plan. But here he comes to a place. It hasn't worked out and he's desperate. He's desperate. He realizes I've tried everything. I've tried to do it my way. And friends, can I just say this morning, it's a great place to be if you're desperate. It's a great place. Sometimes and many times I've seen that people come to God when they're at their place of desperation. Because as long as they think that they can work things out, as long as they think they can make a little, a little um, twist to it, as long as they think they can do something a little bit different and they can change it, they're not going to look up to God. But at the moment they've run out of options, the moment they don't have anywhere else to go, then they're at the end of themselves. All they can do is look up. And it's a great place to be when all you can do is go, I can't do this. I've made a mess of this. I can't do this. God, I need you. So you see that he's desperate and you see also he surrenders. He falls face down because he's surrendering to God. He's repenting, I believe. He's saying, God, I've tried it my way and I've, I've, I've done it my way and I've, I've, I'm, I'm ready to surrender to your will. I'm ready to do it your way. I'm ready to go your path. So he's desperate in the place of being desperate and surrenders. That's when God speaks and God said, and I just want to catch the difference between this. God speaks after, after he falls face down. Now that's not consistent through all scripture. Sometimes God shows up, he speaks, and they fell face down in awe of God. But he falls face down because he's desperate, he surrenders. God shows up, and I believe it's because of this, because God can't unleash his full blessing without our full surrender. God can't unleash his full blessing without our full surrender. And I believe there's times, and God may be with you today, he's waiting for you to get to the end of yourself. He's waiting for you to quit trying to make it work and fulfill even a promise that you feel like he's given you. You're trying to do it your way. And he's saying, I need you. I need you to trust me. And in, if you want to go this week, and we don't have time to read chapters 12 through 22, but this week I'm just... I challenge you, read Genesis 12 through 22. You're going to see 12 through 16. You're going to see Abram. He's in the driver's seat. He has the keys to the car. He's calling all the shots. 17 happens. God gets a hold of him. He surrenders. In chapters 18 through 22, you see a different Abram who's now had his name changed. You see a guy that has given up his controls of his life. He's given the keys over. He's given up the driver's seat. He's letting God lead the way. Next, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. This is where I get excited about this because this is some cool things that God does here. Everything's on, on purpose. It's intentional. First of all, the name. 
Abram and Abraham, they both have meanings. Abram means exalted father. Abraham means the father of multitudes or the father of nations. And what's crazy is God gives Abraham the name. He adds the name, uh, he changes his name to Abraham before he's fulfilled the promise. There's no descendants. There's no numerous as the stars. There's not even one son or one daughter for that matter. There's nothing. And yet he says to him, he calls him, he changes his name to Abraham because it is done. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham. And I love this. I I believe there's a conversation taking place between God and Abraham, both spoken and both nonverbal and verbal. And today on this you know, third week of the college football season, the first week of the NFL season, uh, you think guys that I would have some great football illustrations today and we'd be, we'd be well into that. But the best illustration I had for today was a chick flick. So ladies, surprise. I believe there's this conversation taken between God and Abram. And I think it looks something like this. And I want you to pay attention to the last three words in this. You owe me a dance. Nice dress. Where's your husband? I'm looking at him. Apparently you and I are still hitched. Is that right? Yeah. Why didn't you tell me you came to New York? I needed to make some of myself. About done? And I believe that's what God is doing with Abraham. Abram, he's trying to make a name for himself. He's trying to do it his way. And I think God shows up and he's like, I'm God Almighty. I am all powerful. I can do anything. I am enough. Are you about done? Are you about done? And I think he does the same thing with us. I think there's things that we do in our life. We're trying to make a name for ourselves. We're trying to build our little kingdoms. We're trying to do things our way. And, and, and God's showing up and he's saying, are you about done? You've tried everything else. Are you ready? Are you about done? Are you ready to do it my way? Because my way is better than your way. And my plans are the blessed plans. And I believe this, whatever your plans are, God's plans are better. He said, no longer will you be called Abraham. I know I'm all confusing. Um, No longer will you be called Abraham. I think it's working again. You will be Abram. You will be called Abraham for I have made you. We're having a little like, remember thumb wars, you know, when you had with your sister growing up, we're having a little thumb wars. So I'm going to try this one time and see if it's working. Hey, works. Perfect. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham for I have made you a father of many nations. No longer. My plan's the best plan. And because of that, whatever your plans are, I believe this, friends, God's plans are better. Whatever your plans are today, your plans may even be working out the way that you thought and the way that you designed. But if it doesn't include God, and if God's not the first in your plans, he's not the one in the driver's seat, he's not the one with the keys to the car, he's not the one leading, you're settling. You're settling for less than God's best. I believe God's plan is the best plan and his plans are better for our lives. So he changes his name and he gives him, he adds to his name, his name. This is God's name. Now there's a lot of different names. We heard El Shaddai, 
But the name of God that is the granddaddy of them all, that from our series from a, a, a month or so ago, uh, Jesus, the I am statements, and uh, Jesus being I am or Yahweh or the all sufficient one, the God who needs no introduction. This is the granddaddy of all of God's names. It's Yahweh. And in the Hebrew, everything, I love this. Everything is on purpose, for a purpose, designed, not an accident, not a coincidence. When God changes his name, he just doesn't give him a nickname based on a characteristic. He doesn't call him red or red on the head or carrot top or whatever. He has a significance behind the name. He adds to his name Yahweh. And he adds the letter H. And the letter H in the Hebrew alphabet, which by the way, there are no vowels in the Hebrew alphabet. There's only consonants. There's, there's, there's no vowels. So we add the vowels to help us pronounce it, help us understand. So the H has the sound of what we would say. <sighs> when God adds the H into Abram's name, he's giving him the breath of God. He's given him his very spirit, the spirit of God, the breath of God. When God changes it, we are the ones that add the A's. It, we're the ones that add the vowels. When he adds the H, the A, the Hebrew letter H, the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, it means the awe of God, the, the, the breath of God. When God breathed into Adam, he gave him life. He gave him breath. When he's breathing and giving his name to Abraham, he's breathing life, spiritual life into him. He's given him his Holy Spirit. He is adding himself to Abraham, his very self. God is adding himself to Abraham. And he's also doing another thing. The H in the Hebrew, it is the fifth it's the fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And this is really cool too. The fifth, and some of you know this, some of us don't. The fifth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, every letter and every number has a significance. So the number 10 and one through 10, there's different meanings in the Hebrew. So for instance, number seven is uh, the biblical number for perfection, the Hebrew number for perfection. In football speaking, think of John Elway. Uh, is number seven. Thank you. Thank you. It's cheap. In, in the Hebrew, for our purposes, the number five, uh, the, the fifth letter H, that was the number for grace. So not only is God adding to Abram his breath, his life, not only is he adding to him the Holy Spirit and the presence of God, he's adding grace. He's adding grace to his life. Abram, this was the correct spelling of Abram. We add the A to help us pronounce it, but it was this four letter A-B-R-M. And, and the four letters, and, and again, the numbers have significance. So the number four in the Hebrew uh, numerical system. The number four represented creation because God created uh, and the fourth day he finished creation. And so number four is the creation. Can you guess what number one is? Number one's God. God's number one. He's the creator. He's the the one in the beginning, God. He is the creator. You add four plus one equals five. You put the H in Abraham. You have made Abraham complete. You have made him perfect. Four plus one equals five. I would say this, the, the hand. The hand has four fingers and a thumb. 
without the thumb, there's a lot of things you can do with the hand. There's good things you can do with the hand. Some people lose their thumb in a, in a work accident. Some people are born without a thumb. You can do a lot with your four fingers, but it's an incomplete. It's not whole. You have to add the thumb to make it whole. And the four, just, just the creation, the created, we are incomplete. But you add God, we are complete. We are whole. We are made complete when we do that. So he says, therefore, and I told you we go back to verse one. Therefore, walk before me faithfully and be blameless. The word for blameless is perfect. God's calling Abram to a tall standard, to a tall order. Abram's like, I haven't been perfect before. I don't know if I can be perfect in the future, but God doesn't lower his standard. He says, no, I want you to be faithful. I want you to be blameless. I want you to be perfect. It's an impossibility. He can't do it. None of us can do it. None of us can be perfect. We all fall short, but in Christ, we are made perfect. When the H, when God added the H, when he added his name into Abraham, uh, Abram to Abraham, he made him perfect. Because now God, anything you add God to, it's perfect. Anything that God has put in, it's perfect. And, and any, anything that, that God enters into in our hearts and our lives, he makes us perfect. So he adds God. He, he adds the H, which he makes him the presence of God, the, the Holy Spirit, the, the God's Spirit. He adds the breath of God. He adds the grace of God. In Christ, we are made perfect. We are made whole. We are made righteous. The Apostle Paul said this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Abram, when he added, when God was added to him, and his grace was given to him. He became whole. He became perfect. When we add Jesus Christ into our lives, into our hearts, we become perfect when we receive his grace. And, he, and God said, no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you. I have made you. In the Hebrew, it's the present tense, meaning it's done. It's complete. In God's eyes, this is done. It's finished. You can take this check. You can take it to the bank. You can cash it. And Abram's thinking, you know, I don't even have one son. I don't have one child. And you're saying, I'm going to be Abraham, the father of multitudes, the father of nations. And he's, yep, yep, it's already done. In my eyes, in my sight, it's already done. It's complete. When we think of Jesus on the cross, when he said the words, it is finished, he was saying it's done. Not because of what you have done, not because of anything that you could do, but because what, have I, what I have done. And I really want us to get this. It's not because of us. God didn't change Abraham's name because of who he was. God changed his name because who God is. He didn't change Abraham because of his goodness, of the good things he would do, or he would have a better future, he would do better. He changed his name because of who God is. It says about who he is and also who he believed Abraham would be in Christ. Without Christ, we are incomplete. With Christ, we are complete. We are made perfect. We are made whole. We are made righteous. And in Christ, God sees us not for who we are. He sees us for who he's making us to be. The good work that he started in us, he's going to be faithful to finish it and complete that good work in us. 
This is the good news this morning. In fourth grade, um, back in the day before they didn't diagnose all these things, I'm pretty sure they would have diagnosed me ADHD or attention deficit disorder or whatever it was where I couldn't focus and stay, you know, I could focus on one thing, but just the things that weren't important. And one of the rules for Mrs. Greenberg, my, one of my favorite teachers, I mean, she was a chain smoker, had this really hoarse voice, but man, I loved Mrs. Greenberg. And I loved her because she saw me for what I could be, not what I was. You see, the rest of my class and classmates, they were really frustrated and annoyed with me because to go to, to, go to recess, we had to have everything put away in our desk. Uh, everything had to be cleared off and we couldn't go to recess till everyone had done that. And I was always the last one because I had things, I, they had to go perfectly the way I wanted them to go in the desk. Everything had to be just right. And so early on, she started seeing the whole class is gonna turn against this kid. And so she turned what was a negative and she began to call it a positive. And she began to call me perfect. And she said, perfect, perfect Peterson, perfect. Are you ready? We're waiting on you. Are you ready? And she called me perfect. I wanted to do better and more for her than anyone else. And I tried, I was never gonna be perfect, but I strive for it. The rest of that year, for the rest of my fourth grade, I had one name. My name was perfect. Not even perfect Peterson. She called me perfect. She saw me for what I could be, not what I was. A couple, in the last couple of years, I've uh, had several weddings and doing some pre-marriage counseling. And uh, there's a place that we talk about our past. We all have a past. We all have things that we have to, to work through in those things. And some have more of a past than others. And this young couple... At the end of kind of going through some, some of the tough issues of things that we bring into the relationship, the baggage that we need God to help us to overcome, I asked them, what did they really love and like about one another? And I'll never, I don't remember the gal's response, but I remember the guy's response. He said, she looks beyond my past and sees my potential. That's what I love about her. She looks beyond my past and she sees my potential. That's what God does for us. He looks beyond our past and he sees our potential. We're not called righteous or perfect because of our actions. We're called righteous and, per- and perfect because of the actions of Christ on the cross. His blood made it a done deal for us. His blood and his sacrifice made it a finished work in us. God looks at us and he sees a finished product. He promises the good work that he started in us. He's gonna finish it. He's gonna be complete. But part of our job is to trust in him. All of our job is to trust him because in Christ, God looks beyond your past to see your potential. I told you that Abram or Abraham had a, a really great moment in chapter 15. He had a great moment of faith, a great moment of belief. He trusted God completely and God rewarded him for that. In chapter 16, he had one of his worst moments. He, he thought maybe God wasn't answering the promise, so he tried to figure it out himself. And when we stop trusting God, when we start doing things on our own, we start having our worst moments. But when we come back to God as he did in chapter 17, but I'm reminded of this great moment in chapter 15 where it was said of Abraham that he believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. God said of him, Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. I love this because it's what Christ has done for us. 
God didn't just through Christ and the way he sees us, if we trust and if we believe, the key is believing. And I'm talking about really believing. In James, it tells us that even the demons believe God. It's, it's, it's one thing to believe, but when we really believe and we begin to follow, we trust. And Abram believed the Lord. It wasn't his good works. It wasn't his good deeds. It wasn't things that he had, he had done or things that he would do. There was one thing. Abraham trusted God. Abraham had faith in God. Abraham believed in God. And not only did God wipe out his past, but he also credited to his account righteousness. And it's the same thing that Jesus does for us. Not only does he wipe out our sin on the cross and his blood that covers our sin and makes us clean. Not only does he wipe that out, but he puts into our account a credit of righteousness. He makes us perfect. He makes us holy. He, he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. And through Christ and in Christ, because of Christ... We are no longer those names that maybe described us in the past. If you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, you're no longer a liar. You're no longer a loser. You're no longer a, a, an adulterer, an addict, or a drunk. You're no longer a thief. You're no longer stupid. You are been given a new name. And in Christ Jesus, adding him into your life, putting him first in your life. When we add Christ into our life, when we add the Holy Spirit into our life, he gives us a new name and he looks at us in a different way. He sees us as perfect. He sees us as blameless. He, he sees us as holy and pure. He sees us as chosen. He sees us redeemed. He sees us as a child of God, a child of the most high God. He sees us even as friend. Abraham, Abraham was described and called by God, a friend of God. And through Jesus Christ, we who were once enemies are now a friend of God. Not because of anything that we've done. We can't do it. We're not going to be perfect. But if we trust in Jesus Christ, add him into our lives, give him first place, make him front and center. When he's added to us, you're going to be seen as perfect. You're going to be seen as blameless. You're going to be seen as loved. No longer unwanted, unworthy. You are now loved. You are now made worthy. You are now wanted. You are now desired. You are now good. You have been made righteous and good because of what Christ has done for you and what he's done for me. And friends, I don't care who you are. That's good news. That's the good news of the gospel. That we are not defined by our sins or our past, but in Jesus Christ, those sins are wiped away. They're made clean. And oh, by the way, we've been given a new name, a credit to our account that makes us in the eyes of God, perfect, holy, lovely, wanted, desired, redeemed. And I could go on and on because we have a God who loves us. We have a God who by his grace has added himself to us when we believe and receive him by faith. Please pray with me today, Heavenly Father. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the good news. I know I'm not perfect. We all know in this room and everyone online, we know that we're not perfect. We know that we fall short of the glory of God. And Lord, would you make us desperate for you? Because our ways don't work. Our efforts are never going to add up. We are always 
going to fall short of your standard. But in Jesus Christ, you are making us into a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You're giving us a new name. We get to lose our old identity of sin and brokenness and shame. And we get to add a new identity of purity and, and Christ-likeness and love and, and blamelessness. Worthy, accepted, redeemed, chosen. Lord, we get a new name that gives us a fresh start and a new beginning. Thank you for that. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning, the key is believing. The key is trusting in Jesus Christ. And he will give you a new start, a fresh beginning, a a new divine purpose. But if you haven't received that, if you haven't believed, that's what it is. It's not being good. But if you haven't received that, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Add Jesus to your life and let him make you into who he made, desired for you to be. Because his plans are the best plans. If that's you today, not going to embarrass you or call you out. But through your heads bowed and everyone's eyes closed. That's you by faith this morning. I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand. I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. I I need to fulfill his divine purpose for me and I can't do it on my own. Thank you. I see your hands. Any other hands this morning? Just raise them quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put them down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your promise that the one who earnestly seeks you, you will not turn away from them. You will not turn your back on them, but you readily accept us by faith in Jesus Christ. So I thank you for that promise today. And I pray for my friends that are uh, praying that prayer in their heart, but we're gonna pray it together. And may we leave here differently knowing that we're a child of God, we're a friend of God, and we're loved by you. If you stand with me this morning before Pastor Nate closes us out here today, there's a prayer that we haven't prayed for the last three weeks. We've been in a little bit different series. But if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer. But you're not going to pray it alone. You're not going to pray it by yourself. We're going to pray it together as an affirmation and confirmation of our faith. This should repeat after me and let's believe this in our heart. Lord Jesus... I know I'm a sinner and that you are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I repent of my sins. I accept you as Lord and savior. My God and my friend. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning.